So the fundamental insight in, uh, in the teachings of the Buddha is that we suffer because of the dualistic split, because of the appearance separation between an object here and a subject here and objects which the subject is perceiving. And this dualistic split is created by the conceptual mind. It's created by stories. It's made up. It's a fantasy. It's a hallucination. And with that dualistic split, subject-object, me and the other, or me and my feelings, me and my problems, the grasping arises. The grasping, wanting something which is not happening and not wanting what has happened. Resistance to what has happened. Resistance to, to what is. So with this fundamental dualistic split, seeking happens. Dissatisfaction happens. One of the translation of that fundamental suffering, dukkha, is dissatisfaction. Just that constant, that constant not being here. So that seeking covers up that this is wholeness. That seeking covers up that this is peace. That seeking covers up that this is love. So this text is an invitation to cut through traction in, t- in the Tibetan language. Uh, to cut through through these perceptual filters which prevent us to be which prevent which prevent a complete being here, which prevents a complete being in love with which what is. So this view is sometimes also called the direct path to distinguish it from the progressive path. But actually what direct Direct path means there's no path. There's no path. It's, it's not a journey. So if you take as a as a metaphor, you know, the, the, this room, how much effort do you have to make 
to be here in this space. And what we do in the progressive path, we arrange the furniture to try to make it better, which, which, in a, which also makes sense sometimes. Yeah. So some, some people, they need to work hard and make everything nice and ar arrange everything. And, and, and then they can sit down. Wow. Now I can be here. But uh, this uh, text cuts through this process of this never-ending renovation project, this never-ending desperate attempt to fix samsara, which is unfixable. Because samsara will go on as long as there is this dualistic split. The seeker in us will never say, it's done. Work is done. Because that's what the seeker is. That energy. It will die in that moment. So this space, so many things can happen in this room. People come and go, so many events. Before this building was built, the space was still there, was already there. It is here. And nothing, nothing touched that space. There were maybe the most violent, horrible people in this room. The space remains the space, the receptivity, the capacity to give space for events to happen. Also, it doesn't seem like that, but for sure, this room, this whole building, at one point will crumble, it will disappear. Either I don't know how, but it will. It's it's actually crumbling right now. It's disappearing right now. So even if nobody blows it down at one point, if we just let it sit here, it will crumble. It will fall apart. What happens with the space then? It just remains. It remains as a capacity to for whatever wants to move into that space, maybe a forest. We are that space. And uh, so that space here for the roof, that space which gives space to this event, is not receptive, it's not aware. So the space we are is receptivity, is capacity to know. 
And one flavor of that capacity is called love. Essence love. So one flavor of that capacity, the knowingness, is in the nature of love. It's called the ultimate bodhicitta. When you brush against it, all fear of death disappears. Because you, you see or experience that only what you are not can die. This body, this mind, this name, this personality, all the things which in the confused state we identify with, which we collapse into, all that will die, but that capacity which was prior to the emergence of this being which you call yourself, will remain. And then your life, which now seems to be so important, my problems, what did I, where did, where did I get to in this life? All this stuff, all this uh, self-centered, self-important way of relating to the furnitures, which are completely out of our control. Or what's happening in our life is so out of our control. Our thoughts are out of control. Feelings are out of control. Anything can happen at any time. When that identification with the, with the furniture falls away, then all fears disappear. The content doesn't disappear. It's so beautiful. Even if you are sitting in a damp basement, it's just so, wow, so alive, so magic, not in a dramatic way. I don't know if you saw the little video clip I posted from Peter Fenner where he talks about the obstacles. And one of them is uh, fearful projects, projection towards being free. And one of the fears can, can be so 
If I relax into being presence, why would I go for work? What would happen with my life? What would happen with my projects? takes uh, trust and surrender that from presence benefit emerges creativity emerges if you really really come to a place in this life where you want this, it will happen. But you really need to burn for it. Do you? And if not, then there's uh, plenty of self-improvement stuff out there. Also in the Buddhist teachings, becoming more compassionate, becoming more generous, becoming more patient. Uh, and all, the, all, all of that is, uh, is projects of the spiritual me, the spiritual I. So instead of having a business CV, you start to assemble a spiritual CV. And that's uh, probably uh, a beneficial way to live one's life. It's scary to burn for freedom. Because there's nothing in freedom for you. It's a freedom for nobody. It's not a freedom for you, because you are in the way of that freedom. There is no benefit for you. As Trungpa Rinpoche says, awakening is the ultimate disappointment. <laughs> because nobody awakens. In a way, you could say it has nothing to do with you. So this experience of non-duality, and it is not an experience, (laughs) the recognition of non-duality, the, the recognition of non-separation. Is already this.
you are already here. And whatever now is responding to that in you, oh, I don't get this, or, yeah, but I'm not here, I, I have to do something. I need to understand something, I need to meditate, maybe I need to calm down. All this is furniture. You're still trying to change the furniture in the room, in your conceptual mind. You're still trying to have a map, an agenda. So, traction is cutting through that. and uh, becoming aware of being aware. So, in this room it would be like the spaciousness of the room which previous was identified with the content, with what was happening in the room, focused on it and trying to optimize it for its own well-being. Kind of wanting to have only nice things happen. Good people, good atmosphere. So that room space shifts the sense of identity from the furniture, from the people in the room to itself. One of the challenges here also right now is that you try to look at this from the eye, from the perspective of the eye. But that perspective, which is just a thought, will never grasp this. So there's a there's of course a bit of a paradox because I mean there's a lot of paradox in this in this text because our language is dualistic 
So, but one of the paradoxes is that some techniques, you know, something you can do is actually kind of suggested in this text. So, I was, last time I was talking about the practice of shikantaza, just sitting, the practice of no practice. It's like, isn't it also, it's a bit of a practice. So, I have to contradict myself. Or the text also. So we are trying with this text and with the practice of just sitting to create conditions where this shift of awakening, which is a shift of identity, can happen. It's, it's not a question of willpower. It's not a question of effort. It's not the question of understanding the right thing or doing the right thing. But it seems that certain conditions, time-tested conditions, create somehow a higher probability So as part of the practice of uh, just sitting, it's really fine um, to have a bit of an entry protocol. In our other courses, I talked about the, the entry protocol of meditation, kind of the, the things you can do, like preparation practices from the Tibetan tradition, like making prostrations, making an offering, um, doing some gentle settling in the body, uh, maybe some some guru yoga, you know, uh, calling your guardians and your mentors in whatever form it's helpful for you. So, but uh, and I will probably do some of the things. Also, when we do now the first meditation, but but be aware that that's not actually what we're exploring here. So it's it's a kind of it's it's a kind of a a, a bit of a mixture uh, of some progressive path stuff uh, until we then hopefully do this entry protocol come to a place. Um, where we stop to do something, where we don't add and we don't take away to what has happened. And I would like to read something from the commentary of Ken McLeod. This is uh, from this, his commentary to the second verse, which we probably get into today, first one and first two, where he writes, in all the great contemplative traditions, so this is the, 
in all the great contemplative traditions. So this is something uh, which um, oh, many uh, teachers of uh, the direct path would agree upon, that actually what we're exploring with this text is the very essence on which every tradition, every spiritual tradition on this earth rests upon. It's like kind of the same insight. The, the, the mystic the mystic experience of the founders. So in all the great contemplative tradition, it is said, it is say, say, said, said, say, say, it is said that when we are able and willing to rest in exactly what we are experiencing. So this is this is the practice. Practice. It's resting. And you need to burn for it. It's not something you know you do like in your ten minutes in the morning. To explore that that gesture so that it becomes the automatic response to whatever is happening. Right now, the automatic response to what is happening is fight, flight, fight, flight, freeze. That's our condition. I don't like this, I fight it. I like this, I want more of it. Oh, this is too much, I freeze. So, when we are able, so able to be able to do that, and willing, so it is a capacity also. We develop slowly. Then we are again more on a path view. When we are able and willing to rest in exactly what we are experiencing, this is, this is so precious. Even if you, even if if we wouldn't put it into the context of awakening or, um, uh, yeah. So to, to rest in exactly what, is exper- what you're experiencing, possibly like with the inquiry question, and we will we'll look into the technique of inquiry more, with the inquiry question, what is this? And then you look, and here looking not with the eye consciousness, so you look with your whole being. What is this? And then you might notice the reactivity, trying to fix it, trying to control it, so that becomes part of that curiosity and kindness. A kind curiosity. What is this? 
What is happening in my body? What is happening in the mind? What is this? What is this? If this would be my inner life, not symbolic, what is this? And, and, and really being willing to let go of the control freak, of the fixer, of the part of you who wants to make meaning out of it, who wants to find explanation, why is it happening to me? Who is to blame? And how can I get out of this? So we cut through all of that and we just ask in the present moment, what is this? What is it what I'm experiencing right now? And you notice the layers, the layers of resistance. Now what is this? And then you go maybe deeper and you, you discover a deeper aspect of that experience. Maybe behind the resistance is a deep sadness or a fear. What is this? However difficult it may be, it, it should scare you. I mean, if you really burn for it, for, for awakening, to, uh, wow, that, that, wow, that means to feel all my feelings. Holy shit. And not only the feelings I have in my daily life, because I have so many unfelt feelings in my psychology, his, psychological history, and they will all come up in the capacity of awareness. Not a single stone remains to be, oh, how do you say that, looked under or something like that. Maybe it's better to get drunk. Maybe it's better to watch Netflix. Maybe it's better to do some therapy. <coughs> Never-ending therapy. Which I, as you know, see as an important part to support the capacity. Yeah? When we are able and willing, but this willing, this intention, that is so important. Burning for that. It is said that when we are able and willing to rest in exactly what we are experiencing, however difficult it may be, we discover possibilities we did not know were there. We discover possibilities we did not know where they are. It's, it's great that he doesn't, you know, he doesn't kind of present like a, a result of, you know, 
then you will experience peace. Then you will be healed. So then, then if that is the case, if we do this practice to come to a place of peace, then we are just using this practice as we use everything for feeling better for me. So it's great, but he's open. He's open there. We discover possibilities, and then, yeah. But what possibilities? Is it, is it worth it? Is it? I mean, do I get enough out of this? Like, do I become more happy? Do I become more attractive to others uh, if I do this? Yeah, maybe then I do it. I know it's hard, but since there's heaven in the end, yeah, I can do it. But he says, we discover possibilities we did not know were there. We don't know. We can't know. We will never know. Because it's undescribable, ungraspable. Yes, and out of marketing reasoning, reasoning uh, people would say, also non-dual uh, teachings would say, yeah, then, then that's the end of seeking. That's this or that or that's uh, the experience of oneness or something like that. And he says, we discover possibilities we don't know where they are. So let's, uh, oh, nice. <laughs> this is, uh, so you know, whatever is in this text and whatever is being said here, uh, that's, all, uh, that's all meditation. But uh, let's... Uh, sit uh, quietly so yeah so already now you get a bit into like a bit of a doing yeah so you kind of okay so now i labeled this meditation so we get into a bit of a posture yeah and and that's of course it, it's meaningful it, it makes sense to do that uh, but it's also important to completely let go of that kind of structures so that this movement can happen with any kind of activity in daily life. So then you might close your eyes, you know, so that would be also part of that um, entry protocol but also become aware that through this kind of activities you set up a bit of an event as if something else should happen than what is already happening. Yeah? So it, it, it creates a bit of an expectation you know, just to be aware of that. It's not wrong, but this is not what, what this text is about. And then 
know, this I often talk about this shift, you know, from the head into the body. And again, you so we are still in the doing. Yeah? But um, allow that to happen. with the breath. So what does it mean to experience exactly what you're experiencing? So if you notice your mind doing something, or trying to get somewhere, or that's also part of what is happening. So what is happening? What, what, what are you experiencing? On the, on the felt sense in your body, yeah, and then there's the sounds, the visual, even if you even if you have your eyes closed. Mm-hmm. And there's taste and smell, probably not so interesting right now. So that is what the present moment is made of. Plus inner dialogue and mental images. So we talk about six senses, the five senses, and then the sixth one, mental consciousness, the capacity to be aware of thoughts and mental images. So that's it. That's what is happening. That's the furniture. That's the content. And the invitation of just sitting, of shikantaza, is just sitting in it, just being there, just presencing what is happening. Not adding, not taking away. not explaining, non-interfering, non-manipulating, just this, effortlessly. What is this?
I notice that everything happens by itself. It's coming and going. So that's the events in this room. They come and go. People come and go. Furnitures are arranged. And here cars are driving. My voice. Sensations. The chair you're sitting on. Your mood. The experience of a body. And in a dialogue and mental images. So all these uh, appearances, all the five senses and conceptual mind, all these appearances in the text in the first verse are called mind. So that's the word, sem in the Tibetan language, the conditioned mind. So all these appearances are appearances within consciousness, within awareness. So all the movements in this room, the people come and go, they are the content of this room, the appearances in this room. And then the other word used in the first verse is mind itself. So the Tibetan term for mind itself is a rikpa, and that's the space, if we use the room as a metaphor. So there's mind, sem, the conditioned mind, the moving mind. And then there is mind itself, unconditioned mind, pure awareness, presence. And when you look there, there is nothing there. the capacity to know consciousness. Undescribable, ungraspable. 
And that capacity has no location, it has not a center. So if there is a sense of I, like I am looking, then that's content. Presence has no location. It's everywhere. Boundaryless. Peace. So it's not something you look for, because when you look for something, then you look from I, from me. It is that which is aware of I and me. It's not somewhere else than the appearances. It's pervading. Surrounding. And like this room is undisturbed by our movements in this room, by all the events, in the same way, mind itself is undisturbed by anything. Nothing is too much. Nothing is too heavy. It can't be overwhelmed because it's nothing. And notice how your sense of identity is hooked into the content, into the thoughts, into the sensations, into the body, into the name, into what you think you are. But isn't there awareness of that? Can't you see that these are objects of awareness? This body, this sensation, this feeling, the thoughts, they are all objects of awareness. Mm -hmm. 
What is this awareness? We can't know. Undescribable, ungraspable. It's not an object. Unhook from thinking. And who are you without referring to thoughts? Who are you without referring to objects? Who are you without referring to something you can perceive? Another important metaphor here is the mirror and the reflections in the mirror. So everything you perceive, they are reflections in the mirror. And obviously, a reflection in the mirror has not the capacity to reflect. So everything which is reflected in the mirror is a reflection in the mirror. It's not that which has the capacity to reflect. What has the capacity to reflect is the mirror. And our sense of identity is bound into the reflection in the mirror. But what is that which is prior to the reflection? So awakening is a shift of identity from the reflection in the mirror to being the mirror. And the mirror doesn't reflect itself. It's just a capacity to reflect. Obviously, the mirror and the reflection in the mirror are not 
separate from each other. They're not in two different places. They are in the same place. But they are also different. Same and different. So we are the mirror. You are the mirror. Becoming aware of mirror ringing. Completely experiencing what you experience. And if your attention goes to a certain aspect of your experience, that so that allow that, allow your attention to flow wherever it wants to flow. You don't need to focus on anything particular. Just allow the awareness to flow. So now, it seems that the meditation has ended. <laughs> Maybe with a kind of relief. Yeah. But... Um, the mirror is just reflecting what is happening now. And uh, it didn't, the mirror didn't resist or was happy that 
Now something else is being mirrored. It's prior. It's that which makes it possible now that something else happens in the room. Something which is not called meditation, but maybe lecture. So that's what we, that's what you try to brush against, that, that, that which is not changing. That's where, when you relax, that sense that looking or awareness comes from you, from, from the I, which is just a thought. And that thought is so, it's also, it's, it, it, it is leading to this contraction in our energy field. And it creates the illusion that you're looking from that space. You're looking from that I. Maybe sometimes it feels like behind the eyes. It's like that 